Welcome to the Key of Life podcast, a show where we explore the limitless creative potential that exists within our human life, from birth to death, ancestry, and everything in between. Every human holds a key that opens a door of possibility to create, sustain, and transform within ourselves and with others. When we share our keys, we create deeper access to the keys within ourselves and open the doors of remembrance within others. I'm your gatekeeper and guide, Nanadua L. Hogg. Let's open the door together. Hello and welcome to the Key of Life podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Tashna, who is a design creative and incredibly talented. I've been working with her closely for basically redeveloping my entire brand for like my birth stuff. And it's been an incredible experience. And I just love all of the insights she has about like, not only design, but like creation in general. And yeah, this is going to be a really fun one. So welcome, Tashna. Ah, I'm so excited for you to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your like journey to accessing and like working with design and clothing and all of that stuff (laughs) that's a um gonna be my uh, hopefully it's not long-winded but um I'm who I am I'm from Brooklyn New York I've been raised by Caribbean parents Trinidad and Jamaican um and basically most of my exploration in design has been from the start based on how like my parents raised me. My mom was very much interested in making sure that I looked a particular way, like taking me, that's my first interaction with design and clothing was like her taking me to like these little boutiques and like picking out fabric specifically for me and like you know, just customizing certain jackets, hats, um, dresses and stuff like that. She just was like really particular with that because that's what she wanted for her kids. <laughs> and I hated it actually when I was younger. It was very annoying. Um, and also like growing up seeing my dad and him like creating, he was like also a songwriter. He was a DJ. He used to do playlists and stuff like that. And he would just like he would make a little track list of all the songs that he was really feeling to set a vibe. And then he will be like, all right, go find these songs on LimeWire and then burn a couple CDs so I can send to my friends. So that's like also my introduction of curating. And also he was very much like a person, he was a gardener. Um, He grew a lot of flowers. He shared his wealth of knowledge about gardening. And not only that, he was also... He liked to make juices and drinks and stuff like that, all kinds of blends. He worked with essences and whatever. And from time to time, he would also sell that. And I would come along with him when I was young and see him sell these drinks at a basketball park and how it would just like easily sell out. Like that was just like my parents from beginning. And I was just always inspired by that because what it did was bring a particular kind of like laughter, um, levity, and just like joy in my life. So that was always something that I always wanted to experience over and over and over again. 
because it was just so beautiful to see the family come together and everyone laughing. So that is truly like my first introduction to like my love of design, anything that was beautiful, anything that elevated an experience and, you know, created love and creation energy. That was just my thing because of my parents. My father passed away. Um, and I think it's really important for me to continue that legacy of, you know, being intentional with creation and sharing that with people that I care for and making sure they also are reminded that you can elevate your experience with the little you have or the most you have. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, even as you were speaking, I was getting, like, chills. And, <laughs> like, it really does sound like not only just, like, like both of your parents were super into design and, like, super curating like you're saying, an experience. And even when you're speaking about your mom and like picking out fabrics and like literally making <laughs> your clothes, I think that's so special and so freaking rare nowadays. Um, especially since like stores are so easily <laughs> accessible and they were easily accessible back then too. But you know what I mean? Like it mm -hmm. takes a very specific intention to go out and create that for your family mm -hmm. i just want to acknowledge that and acknowledge your father as well even when you're speaking about like he made essences and like i was like what like that's so again rare today especially with men to oh, yeah. to be connecting with like flower medicine like that so that's so incredibly epic yeah and the crazy thing about it is that like you said it's so rare to hear men connecting with flowers and gardening and stuff like that, when it's actually a very much masculine thing to be working in hands in the land, growing things and coaxing it to grow. That is very much masculine energy being ran. So it's so interesting that men do not partake in that. Oh my gosh, like <laughs> a part of the problem. Facts. You know? <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. Actually. And that like is a really great segue into like other topics of discussion because speaking about gardening and like having your hands in the dirt and physically interacting with the earth yeah. and uh, like your skin touching the earth and that to do with like your the fabrics that go on your body. And stuff mm -hmm. like that. I want to like briefly share a little story uh, that well, it was like earlier this year. My friend does like ceremonial massage and her partner makes uh, what's it called? Weed oil. So she gave me like a weed oil massage. And I feel like that experience really clued me in with how sensitive our skin is with whatever we're interacting and like putting on it mm -hmm. like this this oil, this weed oil, I'm like high off this weed oil. And it's like, I'm not even smoking the weed. And I'm like, whoa, like, I'm actually like very zen through <laughs> my skin. Like, this is insane. So if you could speak more about like that and like the interactions with fabric and skin and like just all of that. <laughs> yeah. So the skin, yes, is like the largest organ of a human but physical body. So, and it's the one that's outside, you mm -hmm. know, everything, all the organs are internal inside, but the skin is outside. So it's receiving a lot of information all at once through all of the senses, even senses that we don't even have names for, right? 
So a lot of the things it's absorbing. So it's really important how we take care of our skin and what we interact with our skin. So yes, when you're like coming in contact with the weed oil, you're going to feel all the benefits of that. And not only that is because oil is like, especially weed oil is like highly potent. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the plant medicine that is extracted into oils, extracts, oils, essential oils, all of it is very, very potent, which is why it can create those type of senses and feelings. And it's so easy to drink in through the skin because it's like a direct um, entrance into your bloodstream, into your organs, not only from a physical sense, but from an etheric sense, from an energetic sense, and from just a sense sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's really important what you put onto your skin, how you adorn yourself, what um what waters you are moving in. Yeah, it's just and how what dr- water you are drinking, what are you putting internally into your body as well, for sure. Yeah, I love how you mentioned the water aspect of it, and it's it's something that I feel like we often forget too is that humans like we are aquatic our first environment before we came on earth is an aquatic environment so our organ systems especially our skin if you think about vernix and how it like um, insulates and moisturizes the skin and almost waterproofs it under underwater it's Mm -hmm. like our skin is is built to be in water actually (laughs) so it's like of course we're absorbing and drinking in all of this stuff so that we can navigate our surroundings with the sense that we have through our skin physically and etherically, it makes so much sense. And I'm just thinking about like how when we breathe, like we're also breathing through our skin and what we are wearing makes an impact on that as well in terms of natural and synthetic fabrics. I personally notice when I put on synthetic fabrics, it's like I'm being like suffocated almost. It like doesn't create like the breathing aspect, for example, with cotton or what cotton would have. It's like this like chamber of like air surrounding my skin that isn't like flowing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And like, I feel like air as well acts similarly to water and that it like it breezes it like it opens and closes it pulses and stuff like that too and we're like inhibiting this flow of air and water through because like we're evaporating water out of our body as well through our skin like trees do with leaves which like is so interesting to <laughs> to think about as well and yeah mhm exactly synthetic materials are just just doesn't make any sense. It it I think a lot of the um synthetic materials, how they market it is by saying that it's like a wicking technology. It stops you from it um traps the excess sweating and all of this. And people, I don't know, people are against perspiring for whatever reason. People are against just releasing their fluids that need to be released from their skin. So they opt for these type of like textile technologies. Um, And also, I mean, most of these things like polyester and stuff like, it's just straight up plastic. You know, it's just forms of plastic that you're putting on your skin. Plastic is not biodegradable. It cannot break down. So therefore you're just like, it's like you're putting saran wrap around your skin. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. 
So it's like you're not really giving your the largest organ of your body an opportunity to just breathe deeply, you know, and also to be able to detox and be fully functional. And I think that's also why there's I'm not a doctor, but I also think that's why there's, you know, there's these things like people having cancer and all of these like lymphatic um, issues and all of this holding a lot of the water in their bodies and stuff like that because of, I think also because of the clothing that they wear, the shoes that, the things that, the shoes that they put on their feet. Mm, yes. A lot of the shoes out right now is not even made with leather. It's made with vegan leather. Yeah. And I think vegan leather is just like a cute, a very cute <laughs> thing, polyurethane. And it's just like yep. nothing about it is vegan. Um, it's just polyurethane. It's just they needed to find a better way to brand it. So a lot of the material that, you know, we interact with in the words that they use is a form of what they would call eco-washing or greenwashing, where they would just use a pretty word in front of it to make it sound safe and just like eco-friendly when in reality, it's not eco-friendly at all. Mm -hmm. Like we're just like saturated with fast fashion and all of the clothing is just trash. You wear it three times, two times, and it's just done for. And a lot of these things, like I said, is made out of microplastics. So therefore, they don't break down. So it's just like we're just having all of this garbage clothing just filling up the earth, and it's not breaking down. People are not really understanding the repercussions that come with even partaking in fast fashion and not really looking at the label and seeing, hey, what is this made out of? Like, that's really important. What you put on your skin is very important the same way what you put inside of your body. And this, and let's not even get into like synthetic dyes as well. I remember one time I had like, I was like about 16, 15 or whatever, not really, didn't know anything about textiles at that time to be like, you know, fully knowledgeable. But I did get these like pair of pants from, I think Macy's. And I remember the smell, it smelled really strong, like denim pants and mm. it was dark, dark blue denim. And it had a really strong smell. And I associated that smell with just denim. But then I remember I was wearing those pants and it was raining and I saw all of the, um, the blue dye running and it wasn't real indigo. And what happened from that, from the rain and it being really tight fitting pants and being synthetic blue dye, I end up getting a yeast infection. Oh that my was God. my first time ever like knowing what a yeast infection oh really my God. was. And just yeah. being so like, this is agonizing, you know? Yeah. And it's like from then I was like, yeah, I'm being particular about the jeans I wear, the underwear. I wear and certain things like that. That's really what kind of like sparked that journey of like, mm, what is this made out of? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That's so powerful. And like you mentioned yeast infections and that's like making me really curious as to like, because a lot of women experience like consistent yeast infections as well as BV and stuff like that. And obviously there's a lot to like cause that, but it's making me really curious about like, the type of underwear, like, what are you putting on your vulva? 
that's like that you're interacting with that's also like venting off up your vagina and into mm-hmm. your womb <laughs> and mm-hmm. like what does it like how does that play into fibroids and all of these menstrual issues and stuff like that like that story <laughs> like mm-hmm. these are things we really have to explore a lot of the um popular underwear brand and lingerie brand i mean if you look at the content of their underwear it's con- it's made out of nylon and other things that i don't even remember the name of because it's just not natural fabric. It's not breathable. So you're putting something once again on your vulva that's not breathe like a breathable fabric, and you have that shit on twenty four seven, and then you're like trying to figure out why does my coochie smell like that? And it's like that's why your coochie smells like that. <laughs> you're not wearing <laughs> you're not wearing breathable material, and then on top of that, you have on some tight ass jeans from Fashion Nova. And it's like, are they even real denim? Are they dyed with, what kind of dye are they dyed with? You know, these are the things that we really have to think about. And people don't understand the clothes that they wear, that they adorn themselves with creates uh, also another expression on how they're going to move, how they're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And I think smell is really important. Smell is very important. And I think those type of clothing traps smells that actually need to be released. Literally. And thank you for even saying that because as you were speaking to that as well, I was thinking about how bacteria overgrowth even happens and like the environments that bacteria proliferates in. And it proliferates in these like dark contained, like vent free environments. You're literally creating a hub for bacterial imbalance on Mm -hmm. your body and it's all connected to this fear of like dirtiness and and like like you said perspiring earlier but in this fear of dirtiness we're creating the dirtiness exactly (laughs) exactly and and being in that type of energy creates a specific mindset and a, a specific like mental state and feeling state so it's really important it's not about being vain it's really important what you wear on your body and doing it with intention, which is why, you know, back in the days, people, especially like, I remember like my mom and my grandmother was telling me growing up, they used to make their own clothes. They used to dye their own clothes, you know? Wow. And that's using with indigo and stuff like that. That's what our nation is also built upon in America. Mm-hmm. Um because I know you Canadian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in America, like, that's what it's built upon, indigo and cotton, you wow, know? Wow, yeah, yeah. Indigo and cotton, you know? So those were the two money makers, And this is those two money makers. what created clothing, created denim, which is such a popular phenomenon till this day. Like, denim will never die. But um, it was it was the slaves that made that indigo and created those clothing and use that cotton and work. And I think it's really important also, if you want to honor your ancestors from that timeline, it's really important to work with that, work Mm. with that denim, work with that real raw denim, work with real indigo, like do your research about indigo, where it comes from, how indigo is even made. Cause it's also, also, indigo is very popular in Japan as well, like and in India mm-hmm. and all of these places, because indigo was 
Indigo used to be two times more than gold. Wow. I did not even know indigo that. Indigo has beautiful, like, um, pr- um, healing properties for the skin. And also the color was just gorgeous. And the process of it was just alchemical and magical and how it created that blue dye when the when that first of all it's green first and then when it hits the air it turns blue wow yeah so taking those leaves and turning it into that blue gold is just beautiful and i think if people put more intention about what they wear and really understood the story about what they choose to wear then i feel like it will make their lives better for sure. Yes. For Can sure. you like speak to the healing properties of indigo? Because like that's like blown my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the healing properties of indigo, first of all, is also very antiseptic. Okay. Like people used indigo back. What I've learned is people use indigo back in the days, especially like soldiers when they were like um, getting shot or they were getting mm-hmm. injured. That indigo from their uniform will help kind of clean out the wound that's so cool indigo as well and it's just like it's really just soothing for the skin it's not it doesn't inflame the skin Mm -hmm. and also the color itself against skin is just beautiful like that blue flame energy i think like that blue flame energy from an energetic perspective is also transform transformational and I always, when I work with indigo personally, I never think about, um, the element I think about is not water or earth mm-hmm. or air. I personally think about fire. Yeah. And I think about the blue flame mm-hmm. of fire, the hottest part of that fire. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that blue flame is like clear seeing, but also all knowing of your past. That's what happens like when my hand is in indigo personally, like clear vision, clear thoughts, understanding my history, understanding where I want to go forward. And I think it's I think that's really important to understand because it's like once again, the history of indigo is very much ingrained in African culture. Mm -hmm. People use that to tell stories on their cloth or to signify certain kinds of um, statuses on their cloth. And they would wear that or they would put that in their home as a rug. And it was like nobility in a way. Yeah. So that's how I feel about indigo in general. It's just like an amazing, an amazing dye. I did. I was really apprehensive with working with it because it's like, well, everybody want to work with indigo. Ah, I've had moments like that with stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> everybody will work with indigo. Yeah, it's a cute blue color, but I kind of want to do these things. But then when I like, and it's also like extremely expensive. So it's like, also when I work with it, it's just like, oh, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, how denim even became popularized is also because of black people. Okay. Because Yes, Spill the because, tea. <laughs> yes, so because usually at first um, I was watching this documentary on PBS. I forgot the name of it, but I think it's the history of denim or something like that. But they were saying, obviously, at first, because the slaves were working with indigo, they would usually wear the clothing, the indigo cloth. That's what they call it nigger cloth. OK, that's what the white slave masters will call it, because when the, um, the slaves would escape, that's how they would use um, the description in the papers to go mm. find them. So they would, so 
the denim itself wasn't considered something that they would wear. It was only what slaves wore and they would call it nigger cloth. Hmm. And well, um, look at it today. <laughs> Everyone's wearing nigger cloth. <laughs> and eventually everyone started wearing it. The Like people just started wearing it because I mean, the slaves were escaping. So that look were, was basically traveling along and people would see it and they were like, well, this is some good, strong clothing. So other workers would wear it. And then it became like the worker denim. But then by like the 60s, the 50s, it it became like the denim for you to be cool. Mm. And then this is what revolutionized denim. And obviously the 70s, that's when like everything was just like, yeah, denim is the wave. Like this is, denim is American culture. And usually when people think about dungarees and denim, they think about I don't know, white cowboys. Yeah, and, good point. And, and and that is whitewashed because truly what it is is black people who really grew the indigo, made a, um, harvested the cotton, made those jeans, made those clothing, worked with the dye and so forth. Yeah. But it's very interesting. Yeah, wow. It is really interesting how fashion trends and stuff originate and like even like the energy that the clothing holds based off of its origin in a particular environment as well. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like brings me into another thing that I was really curious about, about like the symbolism embedded in our clothing and especially in the fashion industry, like people are wearing these like sigils on their body that they don't even know the origin of the sigil is and what intention is behind the sigil right? and all of that stuff. So I'm curious to know what your, what you think sigils are and like how you work with sigils in your own practice and stuff like that. Okay. So a sigil in the most basic term that I can break down is basically a symbol or seal that signifies or represents or summons an entity, an idea, a thought, a desire, Mm -hmm. um, an intention. So that's basically what a sigil is. And there's different kinds of sigil work. We don't got to get into it. (laughs) Learn how to make your sigils. Good old Google will help you. But um, how I use my sigil work, usually it comes from, I like to work with my feminine energy. So I use a lot of subconscious energy when I'm working with sigils Mm -hmm. and I um basically just it's meditative for me when I work and then I create the sigil and then I create a pattern with the sigil and um for example this Mm -hmm. right here is what I made this would be my interpretation of a sigil and then I create a pattern work on it uh, based upon a feeling, mm-hmm. based upon a state of mind. And this comes from like the collection, it's called Ancestrans. And basically it's just patterns and symbols and signs of like my ancestry, which is yeah. Afro-Caribbean. Same. Right? <laughs> exactly. So that's what, that's where I'm like tapping into. Now, other sigils, people, you know, summon angels, people summon demons, People summon entities and stuff like that. People summon, want to summon or seal into their desires. Mm-hmm. And 
And yeah, it's like, it's sigil working is neither good or bad. It, it's just is what it is. It matters on your intention yeah. behind it. Now, when it comes to certain fashion labels, um, usually they like to have their sigils and symbols turn into a logo. I think a lot of like the design, the design word is just modern day um, magic. Yep. And most of it that is commercial is modern day Luciferian magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give you a good, I'm going to give you a couple of good examples. I think a good example, simple. Um, once again, it's neither good or bad. It just is what it is. You can take that for whatever you want. Yeah. Like the Nike symbol, which the Nike symbol is a check mark, mm-hmm. getting things done. And Nike, the word Nike represents the goddess, the victory goddess. And it's like the slogan is just do it. It's a sports. They sell shoes, sneakers. They sell athletic wear because the whole point is taking everything to the victory line. Yeah. That is what the whole um, point of Nike is about. Just doing it and creating victory. That's one. With Starbucks, I mean, they're summoning the Yamaya energy, mm-hmm. the mermaid energy. And basically the offering that they give is coffee beans. I mean, everyone knows if you study Yamaya takes the offering of coffee beans and Starbucks is a coffee brand. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's so interesting too, considering like, I don't know who started Starbucks, but I know for sure the person who owns it right now is not (laughs) like, of yeah, (laughs) period. Um, and that's because they're using uh what's the word I would use? Like a Europeanized version of that sigil, right? Yeah. And then I think another example, a good example also is with Versace. I mean, Versace is the Medusa head with the Greek key logo surrounding the Medusa head. He um he explained himself that he was he was enchanted by the Medusa because when in southern Italy, he used to play. Him and his siblings used to play in the ruins, wow. some ruins, Greek ruins, and um, he saw the Medusa thing sigil on the floor of where they were playing. And he heard about the story, and he was like, he loved that Medusa could seduce anyone, and no one could turn back from her love. Wow. Um, and also the key that the key Greek key symbol that's around. The Medusa head is the symbol of infinity and keep keep going on forever and ever, eternal. Okay. So that specific intention around the Medusa head as was a part of his his whole brand, like you know, loving Versace and never getting enough of it. But ironically enough, Medusa was punished by Poseidon, I believe. And so everyone she looked at turned into stone because of that same desire that she had. Mm-hmm. So that's ironic. And ironically enough, Gianni Versace was murdered. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of symbol symbology and um, symbols in the branding world, and a lot of it is rooted in mythos or story, and it's one of the strongest stories one of the stories that are always energized Mm -hmm. the most. And that's why the magic stays strong. And that's why the brands are so powerful because they align themselves with specific kind of entities. 
yes. and tapping into that energy source, period. Yeah. And then on top of that, and let's, let's not even talk about like, sometimes it's not even a symbol or a sigil. Sometimes it's also textiles, mm. you know, like high, high fashion brand, obviously they're catering to people who have lots of money. So a lot of high fashion brands use mostly better materials. Sometimes I'm noticing that they're not using better materials. Yeah, so same. And like high fashion brands use polyester now. Yeah. But for example, I would give a good example with Rick Owens. He uses um, horse leather. He uses obviously cow leather. He uses walrus, snake skin, um, wow. kangaroo leather, and all of these other like, you know, really rare type of materials. But that's also capturing an animal essence. Oh, good point. Wow. Yeah, so that's animal essence. And this is what we have been doing as from people from indigenous yep. bloodlines. We have been doing this where we would, we would, for, first of all, we will form a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's, that's key. We will have a relationship with these animals. There is rapport between the animals. And when you hunt and you kill them, you would wear their skin and that skin would be a representation of protection and also an invocation of that animal essence energy. Yeah. So you would, that animal will be your guide and you will take on certain qualities of that animal. And that's the same thing that's going on in the fashion world. You know, a lot of the materials that they use are intentional. The cuts and shapes that they use are intentional. The colors that they use for the seasons are intentional. They um, hire these people from, I think, um, I might be wrong, it's called WGSN, something like that, where there's this group of people who forecast what is the future trends. So okay. that's why I'm going to the collections and stuff like that they're consulting these people. We don't know hmm. how they come with their forecasting, but I have really good guesses. <laughs> and um, they, so they, they create those trends or they say, these are the trends that's going to happen for the year. And I always like to say, you know, like fashion is like the cardinal step in setting their stage for certain rituals. Ooh. Fashion kind of sets the stage for those rituals to happen. And then it's like the music and then it's film. Yeah. So it's like all of these and all of these industries kind of fall in line and they create their own ritual to bring in whatever world or pers- collective perspective that they want there. And fashion always is the start. And that is why, you know, people think fashion is just like this vain thing and it's not important and it doesn't matter, but it does matter when you make it matter. Mm. And when you look into it, when you look deep into it, then you, and you use it as a tool, you can become more sovereign with your own style. It's really important not to overlook or underestimate these type of like systems because they are systems. Design is just merely a plan. A design is a plan and the construction and all of these designs take form and take life because of the intention behind it. A symbol means nothing without the intention behind it. And because there is so much intention and life force energy in it, that's why it matters. Mm. So People think, yeah, that logo doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's just a symbol. 
yes, it does matter because it's invoking and it has now the energy concentration of a specific intention. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you Mm -hmm. for touching on that. And it's like making me think of like two things as you were talking, making me think of like the whole vegan agenda stuff with like the wearing the animals. And I love that you mentioned like this is an ancient practice that we've always done. And it's also very ecologically sound because we're using every part of the animal, eating it, wearing Mm. it. And it's like, not only are we wearing it and becoming this, this, the energetic signature of this animal, but as we're eating it, it's literally becoming part of ourselves too. And we're honoring it by doing that. No, not wasting it. And also, yeah, learning from it, allowing it to be your guide, you know, because everything in nature has a lesson for you, not only flowers and plants and stuff like, but also animals. So yeah, that's why, you know, wearing wearing that lion hide and whatever, you know, only bosses wear that lion hide. <laughs> yeah. Who hunted that and you have that energy of a, a lion, you're lion hearted. Like these things are just like very, very ancient. And it's just what happens is that the people who are now using that, they know that they try to make it seem like it don't matter, but they're using it and they're using it in whatever intention they would like to fool you. Yep. Yep. And then it's like, we're then wearing these or yeah, we're then wearing these intentions and we're absorbing all the subconscious levels of the energetic signatures imbued in these sigils and even the fabrics and the materials and whatnot. And then we're wondering why we're like thinking, acting and behaving in a certain way when we're wearing certain things. And then, and the people turn it to like, oh, like, oh, like, uh, for example, like materials or like cuts of material that are like showing more skin or whatever. It's like, oh, like she is she on her like slut mode, whatever the fuck. Like it's, it's really like the way that you're interacting intentionally with the material and also some brands and fabrics and symbols bring that out of you subconsciously and and like you're not even thinking about it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly you're not thinking about it and then people are wondering why they act the way they act Mm -hmm. or you know when you know like Beyonce say you put your freakum dress on like you know you put that you put that dress on that make you feel like a bad bitch bad bitch or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. it's like that's what you're going to evoke, that that type of energy of where you feel like you're the baddest, you're the most flyest and whatever. Like mm-hmm. these things matter. These things matter. And it's really important to choose wisely on what pieces um, you wear on your body and really think about it and not use clothes, clothes as a way to hide yep. your body. Mm, thank you for saying that. Like it's not hiding your body. It's a way to kind of like, I like to put, it's like putting on an armor, mm-hmm. putting on your magical uniform, you, the, you know, superhero outfit. Yeah. That's, that's your clothes. When you put on your clothes, it should be like a superhero outfit. Or when you're trying to feel chill and you're trying to feel loose, you put on clothes that invoke that type of energy of cozy, of warmth, yeah. of flow and stuff like that, which is why I love 
linens. I love mm. that type of linen because it's like cool to the touch and it's just like breezy and you feel, you still can feel the wind in your skin and stuff like that. And if you're trying to be sexy, you put on that silky thing, mm-hmm. something that's like slippery, you slip that on or something that's cashmere. You want to be cozy and warm and feel like you're in a womb space, like that wool, all of those that touch, that feel, and all of those experiences create an expression, a mind state. And yeah. I think people are not thinking about the experiences that they want to have for real. They think about it from, I don't know, from a different perspective. When it's like you can create mm-hmm. certain experiences and mind states and moods merely by changing your environment. Sometimes, you know, people deal with like, you know, depression or whatever. And it's like, once again, if you change, if you put on a diffuser with certain oils or you just put on some type of clothes that make you feel good, that can change your mood. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really can. And again, to speak to the what we're wearing and the energy that we want to hold Mm -hmm. as we're wearing that it's it brought up thoughts of like I really did wear clothes to hide because like I had like really big I still have big boobs <laughs> really big boobs and it's like this like I use it as like a protection because I was like okay I don't want people looking at me in a certain way and then just flipping that to no like actually I'm always gonna have boobs how can I wear clothing that's going to be comfy and cozy and accentuate like my authentic energetic expression um through that and just like made me think of all my my like my (laughs) my journey towards that and personal style and Mm -hmm. I love how you spoke about the linen and even the way that it interacts with you with the wind and your skin and that really is it we're we're like filtering and designing our sensory experience through our clothing. So it's really a matter of questioning like, okay, what sensory experience do I want to have today? <laughs> like, What exactly. is the sensory experience that I'm committed to living in? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's very true. And I think that's really important. And that has most of the time been my saving grace. Honestly, sometimes, you know, you want to change your mood, but you don't feel motivated. I would I I would put on some a diffuser and I would just like put some juniper in there and I just feel like I'm smelling God's breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like because it's so good and it's just so airy and an understanding what you're working with too. Like understanding the plants and the animals that you're working with. Because just like how our bodies and our face are physical manifestations of our energetic essence, mm. that's the same thing with flowers, plants, and animals. Oh, wow. You know, the way they look. The way they're shaped, yeah. the way they smell is a physical manifestation of the medicine that they offer Yeah, that's or the expression that they offer. So just understanding that and using that as a, a guide to be like, okay, I'm going to work with linen today because the way, because flax, because that's what linen is, mm-hmm. flax. 
And a lot of people don't even know yep. what they're putting on. And it's, I, I, I hope this reminds people to just do more research and understand what are you putting on your your clothes? What? How is cotton made? You know? Yeah. How is linen made? How is indigo made? Mm-hmm. How? And where can I find more indigo clothes? There's so many other botanically dyed um, dyes that you can use. Like it's onion skins, mm-hmm. you know, like what else? Kutch, which is like a wood, um, sandalwood, all kinds of like, all kinds of plants that create this pigmentation, which is their like color expression yeah. that literally can collaborate with your organs, AKA chakras, AKA energy centers that can help heal you. All of these motherfuckers are your allies. Yep. Just say hi to them. Yep. No? <laughs> you are a part of nature. So I think that is, that's the medicine. Understanding that you are a part of nature and that you can use things in nature and you can create those relationships and rapport with those plants and those animals and heal yourself and also heal them as well. Yeah. And heal other people. Exactly. It's And I love that you mentioned and heal them as well because mm-hmm. everything on earth is like a relational experience. So it's like whenever you're interacting with anything, you're like they're getting something from you as much as you're getting something from them. Like it's always this like give receive harmonic expression and I love this conversation because it's really reminding me too of who and what am I committed to relating with in terms of the intimate relationship of my body like who am I willing to allow onto and into my skin (laughs) and onto and into my air with like scents I love like using incense and stuff like that too it's like something I grew up a lot with too, based off of my, my parents' culture. We like handmade incense. My dad handmade different like oil blends and like scents and stuff like that. That was his entire jam as like a younger adult or whatever. So I become like an incense snob. <laughs> like you can really smell the difference in what you're interacting with in terms of synthetic versus like natural scents and even like fabrics and even air in general like when you're driving and like you all of a sudden get a waft of like the diesel exhaust of a truck it's like you viscerally feel and smell that and you're like whoa what the fuck like like it feels like an attack almost you know so it's like what type of relationship are we allowing ourselves to have with our surroundings and ourselves and the ability to curate those relationships is so epic to know that that's a possibility that's always existed yeah you you talk about um smells and then it, i just was reminded also smell plays a really huge part in enchantments too and um also not only in enchantments but also how you want to show up around people and i think like you're saying the difference between natural and synthetic. And I even think about like the perfume industry, especially with those like big labels and stuff like that. They're using synthetic um, scents and a lot of those synthetic scents throw off your, your hormones, you know, and it's like, it's not natural. 
So sometimes even, I think even Fleur was talking about it, like the synthetic um, perfumes. And it's like, you don't even, you don't even know who you're attracting and what you really like, because all of that is thrown off, mm-hmm. you know, and everything is being masked. Yeah. So do you even know who you want to be with for real? You know, exactly. And this is because there's a lot of fear about being yourself. There's a lot of hiding perspiration. There's masking with clothing. Yes. Because certain clothes signify a certain kind of status that you trying to like express to people and but you not really like that. Yeah. Like the smell that you're putting on, you not really like that. Mm-hmm. Like so there's a lot of fooling people. So there's a lot of confusion. And that's also why people have a hard time relating with each other harmonically and sometimes wasting your time with people you didn't even need to be around in the first place if you were just on a just on a sensorial level yourself oh my god thank you so much for even saying that level yeah this is like reminding me because like i had like a freaking hype beast fashion gal moment like (laughs) in early days of university and i remember just wearing these clothes that were so uncomfortable just because it's like a look and like the Mm -hmm. type of men that i was attracting back then versus like now is like polar opposite and i just remember the feeling of my in my body like in my brain i was like yeah this looks fire whatever but in my body this it's like this feeling of dissonance and it really is that like you're you're not being yourself (laughs) you're not being yourself and based off of that energy being on you of not being you it's you're not magnetizing things that are a match to you when (laughs) when you aren't being yourself right because you're following a trend it's like do you even really like those sneakers for real like it's okay if you do Mm -hmm. authentically do like this is not about demonizing or jealousizing it's about authenticity you know like do you really like those sneakers do you really like that color on you do you really like that makeup look? Yep. Is that really for you? Or you're just being caught up in someone's enchantment? Yeah. You know, or you're just being caught up in some what someone standard of beauty is. There's a lot of we can like there's just a lot like beauty and how we adorn ourselves is very, very integral in this 3D realm because we live on earth. Yep. You know, and this is earth and the representation of this earth is very like Taurus and Libra driven. Yeah, Venusian. Mm-hmm. Um, and a but a lot of the things that is being reflected and expressed is very much distorted. Yeah, you know, and there's not people really looking through the distortion and saying, "Nah, I'm not with that." They're just getting caught up in the enchantment and the um, status of it all. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, plastic surgery and even changing your physical body and mutating into something else is at an all-time high because wearing the clothing is not enough. Wearing the perfume is not enough. Yeah. It's now like, I'm just going to change my whole fucking face. Yeah, literally. And it's at the point where people don't even know what is natural mm-hmm. anymore. And that's scary to me. That's scary to me too. <laughs> that is scary to me too. And it's mm-hmm. like, to t- touch on like the not being yourself thing too. It's like, we have all of these physical representations of like, this is what we should be. This is what we should be. And then we're wondering like, what, like I'm being all these things. Like, how come I still don't feel good inside of myself? Because 
you're not being you like it's not you're not being your authentic natural expression that you were birthed to be on the planet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that creates dissonance (laughs) this is yeah this creates dissonance this is what creates mental illness Mm -hmm. this is what creates just dissatisfaction literally period (laughs) dissatisfaction period and i love the venusian point that you brought up too because i was just thinking about that too and how venus it is the beauty and it also is the enchantment and the illusion lights are quite like are quite literally how we create an illusion like mm-hmm. <laughs> light forms are all illusion you know all of the lights. so like <laughs> yeah and like how are you projecting your lights out and like what illusions quote unquote are you creating like you can create an actual illusion that's like a, a figment that isn't quote unquote real or you can project out lights that are authentic to you and that be like your authentic like enchantment now and like an authentic uh, illusion and projection now and it's also mm-hmm. reminding me of like how the Maya matrix even is and it's like you know a grid of lights and and all that stuff like it's a projection and what are you committed to projecting outwards and having people receive from you like mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for everything and I love that you mentioned sigils are neither bad nor good illusions are ne- nor neither bad nor good it's about how are you you working with these illusions yeah and what is your intention it's just all of that and how we're interacting with that is there anything you want to touch on before we close out about working with (laughs) these like illusions and these like venusian beauty ways and all that stuff uh in our everyday for people who are like super hyped up on like the synthetic fabrics and the fast fashion and whatever, and maybe not. And they're exploring this stuff. What is something that you really want people to remember about this particular discussion? I want people to remember that the simple things can be used as tools to access your own divinity and to access your own authenticity. And all you got to do is be out in nature for real. You just got to be outside and observe like, Truly, just be outside, observe, really be present for the experiences that you're having. Be present for those smells that you truly enjoy. Think back on the smells that you enjoy. Think back on those feelings that you like feeling. And then trying to do that research behind what are these things that I like? And does it bring out the best in me? And then try to create those experience, create an experience from those list of things that you are fond of. And I think that is a great start in creating the beauty of your authenticity, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. And it, it truly starts from with the home. That's how like my understanding of what I love to do and what how I like to create. It started from watching my parents and started from the home. You know, I was most of my time was as a child when we moved from um, Crown Heights into a home was me being in the backyard playing with dirt, Mm. playing with all the bugs, being really fascinated by worms and snails and like letting them crawl on my skin. 
So I knew that I like slimy things. <laughs> yeah. That's texture. You know, I may be a weirdo, but that's the texture yeah. I like, you know? And that's the thing, you know, actually thinking about slime. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, it. yeah, no problem. But it's like those kids who play with slime. Yeah. Like, yeah, could have just went outside and played with snails. Yep. You feel me? Like, just, they could have got information from real life, real life, natural things. That's how you... That's how you learn. That's how you understand yourself yes. more. When you are in t- in tune with nature, when you're in tune with yourself, you will receive the information that you need. And you don't got to think about it too hard. It's not about thinking about it too hard. A lot of the information that's going to come to you is going to come from a subconscious way because you're working with the mother. Mm-hmm. You're in nature. You're working with the mother. The mother does not work in ways of... Br- thinking with your brain and logic and all of this shit. So, so just relax into enjoying nature and understanding what your body needs, what your body is telling you really pay attention to that. That's my advice. Yeah. And I think from there you can do your research and then you can put two and two together and create the experiences that you want personally. Yeah. And it don't got to be from smell. It don't only got to be from clothing. It don't got to be from music. It it could also be with cooking. Yeah. Like it can be whatever, it can be whatever you need it to be. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many ways you can do this. The world is yours. Period. Yes. The world is yours and everything starts based off of you and mm-hmm. what works for you and what you love. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much for this episode. Oh, my gosh. I love everything that was talked about and discussed. And, yeah. Don't be good. <laughs> if you loved what you heard today, please let me know by giving the podcast some love in the reviews, liking, commenting, and sharing with someone you love as well. As always, too, you can connect with me on Instagram at Key of Life Birthkeeper. And with any of my guests with their information and details located in the description. Until next time, Ashe.